everyone, and welcome to the Cultivate Podcast, The Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, and really glad that you are with us. And we are back today doing, uh, back in our uh, series where we're going through systematic theology. And to remind you guys of some of the things we were talking about, we initially we talked about some different categories for systematic theology, where we're thinking about theology, the study of God in terms of categories. And we also just kind of talked about almost like there being a ranking system for them, that there are some things that are just absolutely essential, essential to being a Christian. If you if you believe these things, you are a Christian. And if you don't believe one of them, you're not a Christian. And we spend some time talking about a lot of those, most of them centering around the nature and existence of God, um, the person of Jesus and his death on the cross. We've also spent some time talking about that next level, which is what we call just foundational They're not the things that you must believe in order to become a Christian, but are foundational to growing as a Christian. They're the kinds of things that you may not know about when you become a Christian, or may not every new Christian knows about these things or has a right belief on them. But in order to maintain a long-term healthy relationship with Christ, you need to understand these issues and not just simply to understand them. You need to I mean, for lack of a better phrase, you need to be right about them. You don't, you don't want to be wrong. You don't want to be in error. And so every now and then I'll be with a group of people. And we'll be talking about this and we'll talk about the difference between these two categories, the things that are essential to becoming a Christian versus kind of foundational to Christian living. And I'll ask, like, what would you put in that essential category? And most people get, you know, things about God, things about Jesus and who he is things about his death on the cross. People usually get those right. But one of the most common ones that people want to add to that is something about the Bible and the authority of the Bible, the authority of scripture. And that's going to be our topic today. But I think it's also really good for us to take a second here because this helps, helps us understand this category difference. So does someone absolutely need to believe in the authority of scripture in order to be a Christian, to become a Christian? You can't be a Christian unless you believe in the authority of Scripture. Well, and some of you may be shouting at your radio right now, of course, of course, what is this idiot saying? But the reality of it is you need to think of it like this. Could someone become a Christian and not even know of the existence of the Bible? Or better yet, can someone become a Christian and the Bible doesn't even exist yet? And the answer to both of those questions is yes. I mean, the gospel really is centered around the person of Jesus and his death on the cross for you. You're like, but, 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 those things, they come from the Bible. Yeah, yeah, you know that. And you may have even told them that they came from the Bible. But the reality of it is they don't necessarily need to believe yet in the authority of the scripture, just in the truth of the things that you're telling them. And so I don't want to minimize our belief in the authority of the scripture by saying it's not essential to be a Christian. I don't want to minimize it at all, but I want us to think about that category and those things that really are essential to the gospel itself, the things that one absolutely needs to understand, to believe in order to just understand the basic concepts of gospel, of the gospel. Who is God? Who am I? What is sin? And what does Jesus' death on the cross do for my sin? Now, obviously, again, what we believe about these things do come from the scriptures and our belief and understanding in the authority of the scripture really is essential for us. I mean, to use that word, I mean, it's foundational. It is foundational for us to grow in our relationship with Christ, to understand 
um, who God is to grow in our faith, we need, it is, again, it is foundational to our growth that we understand the authority of the scripture. And so that's what we're going to spend some time talking about today. It's just kind of working our way through kind of what the Bible teaches about itself. Like what, what do we really believe about the Bible? So the first thing I want us to do is just kind of go to the critical, most foundational verse about the Bible. The one that just kind of much of our theology is centered around as we think about what do we as Christians believe about the Bible? And that verse is in 2 Timothy 3, 16. And we'll go ahead and read verse 17 too, because it helps complete the thought. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so there are a lot of incredible, awesome things in this passage, namely the thing that I think, you know, the, 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 the purpose of this, the purpose in Paul saying it really is not the theology of it, even though there's deep, rich theology in it. I think the, the purpose of this, and it's written to a, a young pastor who is wavering in his commitment, he's getting a little fearful, that Paul essentially is, is talking to him about the sufficiency of the Bible to do all the things that you need to teach people, to correct people, to train, and that he, as a servant of God, and the people he's trying to raise up to be servants of God, they can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so the, the purpose of this of these two verses and what Paul's trying to say is the usefulness and the application of the Bible. And ultimately, the idea that God gave us the scriptures so that we could live the life that God has called us to. But in this, we also get a very interesting and significant piece of theology. And it comes in that very first phrase of verse 16, where Paul says, all scripture is God-breathed. Now, depending on the translation you use, this translation is the NIV. Depending on the translation you use, it is very likely that it says that all scripture is inspired by God. And so the, the doctrine, the specific theological doctrine about the Bible is that we believe in the inspiration of the Bible. And typically that's where this comes from, this use of inspiration. We believe that the Bible is inspired by God, but inspired can have a lot of different meanings to it. And so if I were to say that the Bible was inspired by God, that could, um, that could lead you to a couple of things. One, it could mean like you think about somebody was inspired to write something. One would be like, Hey, I was, um, I was outside, I was looking at a mountain and it was so beautiful and it inspired me to write. It inspired me to paint. It inspired me to sing. So there was something about it that, that it was so beautiful that I, that I had to do it. Or you could think of it in terms of like, you've got a friend and you like, you think, oh man, I, want, I think I'd want to write a book. And you've got this friend who just like, man, you really can do it. You can do it. You'd be great. You'd be great. I think you should. I think you should. And they were really inspirational to me in this project. And so if we say that the Bible is inspired by God, I think way too often we go to one of those two ideas. It's like, it is the, it is, he was the person that kind of encouraged it to happen or God, like the mountain was so inspirational, just the character and the person of God was so inspiring that they had to, to write about him. And that's why I believe that the NIV translation here actually is superior. One, it gets us off a word inspired that we already have some different definitions for. And two, it is in fact the most literal translation of what Paul is saying here. What Paul's saying here 
is that all scripture, and to use some Greek here, all scripture is theonoustos, is what he says. And essentially what theonoustos is, is a compound word that Paul made up. It's not, you're not going to find it anywhere else. It's just a made up word that he put together. And the two parts of it are, as you can imagine, God and breathed. And so the word theos meaning God and the word pneuma meaning spirit and spirit and breath. And so what he's saying here is that the Bible is God breathed. It comes from God. And so when we hear that, say God inspired the Bible might make you think one thing. But if I say that the Bible is God breathed, well, I don't even know what that means, but it's certainly going to make you stop and pause and ask what it means. And so I think if we take it, again, at its, at, its, at its face value, and I say that something is God-breathed, and what are some things that come to your mind? I think the, the source is, I think, a, a first thing that should come to your mind. It is God-breathed. It comes from inside of him. It came from his breath. The source of the scripture is God himself. But if I were to ask this question, young burgeoning theologians, where, where is another place in which the breath of God is prominently mentioned. You think about that for a second, you should probably end up in Genesis chapter two in the story of Adam, when he creates Adam from, from dirt and he's got a, and then he breathes life into, into Adam. And so I think that again is, is, a, is an image, a metaphor that Paul is drawing on here with his use of the word theonoustos or God breathed. That is not simply that, that, the, that it is the source that it comes from God, but it also, because it comes from God, because it comes from his breath, that is what gives it life. And so because of that, then the rest of the verse and the rest of what Paul is trying to say actually makes a whole lot of sense. All scripture is sourced from God and gets its life from God. And because of that, it is incredibly useful for every aspect of your life. What you need to know what you need to do, what you need to not do, how you can start doing the right thing and how you can keep on the right path. And that ultimately everything that God wants you to be equipped for, you're going to be able to do. And so um, some of you may be thinking like, man, how do you, how do you start here a theological statement about trying to figure out what we believe about the Bible? And then you say, well, the, the, the Bible is authoritative. It comes completely from God. And you're like, man, how do you, you can't, use a Bible verse to prove to somebody that the Bible comes from God. And of course, it would say that. And I want to make sure that we understand what we're doing here in our little theology podcast here. I'm not trying to convince someone who does not believe in the Bible that they should believe in the Bible. Really, what we're trying to do here is I'm trying to help you understand what we as Christians believe about the Bible and what we believe about the Bible comes from the Bible itself, which is a very normal thing for a Christian to do. If I were going to try and convince someone to believe in the Bible, I would come about it a very different way. If you're Charlie, well, how would you try to convince somebody that the Bible is true? Well, that's, a, that's an apologetic question, and we can do a series on that at a different time. But the simplest thing that I would do is I would try to get them around. I, at its simplest, I would say I would try to get them to come to church. I would try to get them in a place where they are listening to and hearing the Bible. I believe that if you hear God's word enough and you give the Holy Spirit an opportunity, you will come to believe in its authority. And Hebrews 4.12 really speaks to this, I believe. Hebrews 4.12 says this, says that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, 
It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the Bible is powerful. It is alive. It is like a sword. And the sword is able to just kind of cut to the heart of what is going on in your spirit. And it just kind of cuts you up and gets to the very core of the issue that is going on with you. And you get exposed enough to a very sharp sword. You're going to come to believe, hey, this is a sharp sword. You know, you get stabbed enough with a sword. It's going to be hard to believe "Ah, it's not really a sword as you're bleeding on the carpet. If you hear God's word enough, you'll recognize its authority. But again, what I'm not trying to do here, I mean, again, that would just be the beginning of, of me trying to convince somebody. And if, and if you ask me to, it may say, hey, just drop me a note, go to charlieatthegrovechurch.org and say, I'd like to hear more about that. Maybe we will do that a little bit later. But again, we're not trying to convince non-Christians that the Bible is authoritative. We're talking about what we as Christians believe about the Bible. So we believe that it is inspired by God. We believe that it is God-breathed, and the, and the doctrine is called inspiration. And so essentially what you mean by inspiration is, is that the Bible is completely authoritative because its source comes from God. And so that when you read the Bible, you be, we believe that we are reading a message that God himself wants to deliver to us. So there's a couple of questions then that people will ask as we're trying to pare this down and really make sure we understand what, what Paul's getting at here and what we really believe about the Bible. Some people will say, hey, when Paul wrote this, he would have exclusively have been talking about the Old Testament because that's all the scripture that existed. But you will find that in 1 Timothy, Paul is quoting scripture. And one of the verses that he quotes, he basically says, hey, like the scripture says, you know, don't muzzle the ox while he's threshing. And you think, man, who cares? What I don't even know what that means. Who cares? It doesn't matter what that means. Where All that matters at this point is where it comes from. He's quoting the gospel of Luke. He's quoting the gospel of Luke and saying, essentially, he's quoting scripture. And he actually quotes another scripture. He quotes one from the Old Testament. And then he quotes something that Jesus says that you find in the book of Luke. And so it is clear at that moment that Paul, 1 Timothy, before he even wrote 2 Timothy, that Paul is having a broader understanding of what Scripture is. And you'll also see the same thing in Peter, or Second Peter, and, and, and he's talking about Scripture as well and refers to Paul. And he starts talking about, man, there's some things that Paul says that are very difficult to understand. And these things that are difficult to understand, man, people are always just kind of confused about them. And he says, you know, but the problem is, is that they're difficult to understand because it's Scripture. I, I'll quote the verse to you. Second Peter chapter three, verse 15. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So here we got Peter, a contemporary of Paul, not simply a contemporary of Paul, but let's just be honest, you read the book of Acts, a bit of a rival of Paul. Even he recognizes the authority of what Paul is doing, that Paul is writing scripture. And so basically he says, ignorant people will distort what Paul says, just like they do other scriptures, just like they would with the Old Testament. People are manipulating and getting wrong what Paul is saying. So he makes this category here that Paul's letters are scripture. So it it points to the fact that Paul understood that what Luke was writing was Scripture. Peter was understanding what Paul was writing was Scripture. And if you read Paul's letters, he speaks with enough authority 
that Paul understood what he was doing. They believed that they were speaking on behalf of God, that essentially this is, this is prophecy. This is a prophecy of scripture. This is something that is being sourced from God himself. Now, another thing that people will say is they're trying to process this is not just simply, well, Paul's talking about the Old Testament. People, and in fact, I was even having this conversation today over text with somebody that when they were, they were, they were asking about, you know, some particular verse or some particular, some particular story. And um, I was having this conversation just today over text message with someone who was reading something from the Bible and says, man, you know, it doesn't really matter so much what the Bible says and whether or not what the Bible says is true. But as long as, you know, like you get the general idea of the message, there's, there's a particular moral principle that God is wanting you to understand. And as long as you get that principle right, it doesn't matter whether or not you believe the story that it comes from is true. We're having this conversation, which is a very common one that the idea of the authority of the scripture is in its moral teaching, but not in that it is sourced from God himself. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says this, verse 12, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. And I think that's important. That concept is important because I think too often we want to come to the Bible with, it's authoritative when I want it to be authoritative. And it always starts, I think, initially with an idea of like, well, this, this story is a little preposterous. I don't know if I believe that. And then it kind of goes to some of the more edgy moral teachings that maybe You'll find in the Bible things that are the most currently controversial, and you start eliminating these things one by one. And then ultimately what you end up with is a belief that the Bible is authoritative when I want it to be, and then I am the arbiter of the authority and the power of the Scripture. But ultimately, we need to understand that what we have in the Scripture are not just spiritual principles, but spiritual principles combined with spirit-taught words. The words matter. The stories matter. What is said matters. And I believe, and we need to believe, that everything that we read is authoritative. It is authoritative because it is God-sourced. It is God-breathed. He is the one that puts life in it. It came from him. These are his thoughts. They're not just simply his thoughts. They're his words. And so then you say, well, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. And then his thoughts and his words, but those thoughts and words go through a human vessel. And once something goes through a human vessel, it necessarily becomes imperfect, which is a really interesting thing for people to say. It's a really interesting thing for people to say, but one, because Jesus, God himself, dwelled inside of a human vessel, and that did not suddenly make Jesus imperfect. And just because you as a person are imperfect doesn't mean everything that you do is imperfect. You are capable of doing something right. And ultimately what we believe about God is that he has the ability because he's God. If he has a message and he has words that he wants to give, he has the ability to take those and use an imperfect vessel to bring about something authoritative and powerful and awesome. 
And so the way that I, that, that people like to talk about this as they are um, defining what inspiration means and the way that it comes from God, but it uses a human author is that often the word is used is that God superintends the writing of scripture of the author. What does superintend mean? I think it's, I think it's important that we'll define superintend between two words. We're not saying we say that God is authoritatively speaking through scripture, that these are his words, um, that he is superseding them. He, he didn't have Paul by the hand and was essentially just writing where Paul is just transcribing. You see Paul's emotion. You see his personality. You see his style. You see different writing styles. He wasn't, he, he wasn't, he wasn't doing that. He wasn't superseding Paul's will, but he also was doing more than supervising Paul. Like he was just kind of watching him, hoping that Paul, Peter, Moses, David, that these guys would get it right. He was superintending. He was using who they were. He was guiding them. He was leading them to say what he wanted to say. So we are not negating the human authorship or the personality that comes in there, but we are also believing that God has the ability to speak through them where he gets his message across exactly the way that he wanted to. And so that's what inspiration is. And so inspiration very often leads to a second biblical doctrine, which is referred to as inerrancy. Inspiration really is more about the source of scripture that has authority, that it comes from God. And, and we can think about it and talk about it like this. If the source is God, then it's authoritative and it comes from him and God wouldn't say anything that was wrong. Therefore, the Bible is inerrant without an error. And I'll just be honest with you right now. At this point, I'll tell you that that is, that is what I believe. But there's, there are a handful of qualifications in that, in that the, you know, the act of inspiration came at the time of the writing. And so, you know, the, you, you have an English translation and, and these, you know, these letters have been copied and all of these different things. It is possible. And, and there are a couple of these that are known that there can be some copying errors that happen that, you know, and certainly sometimes you can read an English translation and something doesn't completely make sense. And, and, you know, there, there's, there's, there's some ways that you can lose this sense. Like, I'm not sure that's exactly right. Like there's like, again, like sometimes in Chronicles and there's some discrepancies amongst numbers. Anyway, I'm rambling a little bit here at this point, but I, I want you to understand that when the Bible teaches, the Bible teaches authoritatively. Now, it may be too far a stretch for you at this point to say that I believe that everything, every story, every detail of everything that I read in the Bible actually happened is completely in error. And I'm not at this point, again, maybe at a different time, we'll, we'll go a little deeper and, um, and, and answer that question a little more thoroughly. I'm not asking you in our little, in our, in our little, and our deal, like between what is essential, what is foundational, what's important. The thing that I want you to understand that is foundational for you is to believe in the authority and the inspiration of Scripture. That when you are reading the Bible, you are reading something that comes from God. Whether or not that leads you to believe every single detail. Again, the person I'm talking to today via text is saying, well, I mean, I believe this comes from God, but I think that story's probably made up and it's just kind of a moral deal. 
mean, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time just fretting about that too much. I think that there is some a bit of a slippery slope there. But ultimately, I want you to believe that you can read the Bible and with confidence hear the authoritative voice of God. And we'll spend a different time in a different episode trying to convince you of uh, the doctrine of inerrancy. But ultimately, again today, I want, you, I want you to walk away from here believing, 2 Timothy 3.16, that the Bible is inspired by God, that it is God-breathed. You believe in this doctrine of inspiration. Let me, we'll, we'll end it here with a good definition of inspiration using some of the thoughts, concepts, and words that we've talked about. God's superintendence of the human authors of Scripture so that using their own individual personalities, they composed and recorded his revelation to man in the words of the original writings. And so I want you to believe that he oversaw this process to the degree that it is the voice of the authors, but it is the words and thoughts of God. And so the big picture here of inspiration is that you believe and understand that when you are reading the Bible and you are hearing the Bible and you are hearing it taught, taught, you are hearing the voice of God and you are reading, hearing, listening to an authoritative book that comes from God. So as always, if you've got any questions about that, you feel free to shoot them to me. Um, Charlie at thegrovechurch.org. I would love to, to hear from you, any questions that you have about the Bible. And we will continue. Um, we will continue with our systematic theology over the next couple of weeks. Encourage you to continue to listen to that. And again, thanks for joining us. And if you are in Northwest Arkansas, we'd love to see you at the Grove Church sometime. You can go to thegrovechurch.org. Otherwise, you can catch us online sometime. We stream every Sunday service. Every Sunday service. So whether it's uh, in the room or on the internet, we would love to connect with you. And again, thanks for joining us for our Cultivate podcast. <laughs>